0: Joining me on the program is Robert Kiyosaki. He's author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and proprietor of the website richdad.com. Robert, next week, the BRIC countries will be gathering in South Africa to talk about trading using other currencies outside the dollar and possible settlement of gold. Let's talk about that. To me, this is one of the biggest monetary events that we've probably seen since 1971.
1: I agree wholeheartedly with you. And uh, as we are talking before we started, how many people don't even know what the bricks are?
0: This is major. Brazil, Russia, India, and China. But we're talking about 60 countries. We're talking about countries like uh, Brazil that wants to trade with China outside dollars. They're also talking about possible settlement on the Shanghai exchange in gold. I wonder if we could talk about, is this, Robert, in your opinion, the beginning of a new monetary system to more of a, a multipolar currency system rather than a dollar system?
1: Well, Jim, if I knew that answer, <laughs> You know, right, <laughs> right now, I think it's um, what you and I are doing right now is kind of waking people up to the word bricks. Because I remember when they came out years ago, because it was South Africa. And I've done a lot of work in South Africa. I love the African continent and the people. But Mexico wants to join it now. Japan wants to join it. So when you start thinking about that, it's kind of hard to fathom because as Americans, we're so used to being top dog. But what happens when there's 60 countries who say adios? What's going to happen then? And that's what I've been trying to figure out, talking to people who so hopefully know. But this is the thing I'm concerned about. And I'm not, I don't know what's going to happen, so don't take my word for it. But what it meant was in 1944, the U.S. dollar became the reserve currency, which basically meant it was good as gold. And America made the promise in 1944, the Bretton Woods in New Hampshire, that we would back every dollar with gold. And everybody said, oh, thank you, because it's yes, the end of World War II and all this. And then in 71, Nixon comes along and he says, I'm going to break the gold standard, And what that meant was the US dollar in 1971 went from being backed by gold to be an IOU, an instrument of debt. And I didn't know what that meant either. At that time, Jim, I was flying out of San Diego for the US Marine Corps. I was stationed at Camp Pendleton, but I didn't know what that meant. And so by the time I got to Vietnam in 72, I'm still wondering, what did that mean? What does it mean? when Nixon said, I'm taking the dollar off the gold standard, temporarily. Of course, he, he's a liar, as you know. But what did that mean? I, I really don't know. But it also meant that all of these central banks have been storing dollars. They think the dollar is gold. So here's the, um, I was in Peru talking to the Peruvian head guy, you know, their equivalent of our Fed. And he said, we have these tons of these dollars sitting in our safes. So, Jim, this is what I've heard. I hope it's not true. But all of those piles of paper, you know, I, I call this stuff toilet paper, is sitting in all these safes throughout the world. And if this is no longer the reserve currency of the world, what happens if it comes flowing back onto our shores? That, I think, was one of the most horrifying thoughts there is because then we probably going into hyperinflation. And as hyperinflation, you know, brought a guy named Adolf Hitler to power. And so history is repeating itself again.
0: Yeah, it appears from what I'm hearing coming out from these BRIC countries, whether it's Brazil, China, that uh, right now, the way the currency system works for our listeners, if I'm trading with the US and I accumulate excess dollars that I don't need to spend in the US, well, I buy treasuries. There's a large liquid market they, China doesn't have a large liquid market, nor does India, but they're talking about, Robert, perhaps settling in gold. So let's talk about the significance, because it looks to me like gold, once again, is resuming its historical role as a currency.
1: Well, I hope so, you know, because I have a lot of gold. Uh, in you know, 1964, I was, I was growing up in Hilo, Hawaii, and I would caddy. You know, to make I get a dollar for nine holes. And I get this dollar bill. And I go down to first Hawaiian bank and they'd give me, you know, dimes and quarters and all this. But when you held up the quarter, it was copper. So in 64, they were already monkeying with our money back then, Jim. I said, something's wrong. And when you look throughout history, that brought down the Chinese Empire, it brought down the Roman Empire, it brought down the Greek Empire. It's called Gresham's Law. Gresham's Law says when bad money enters the system, good money goes into hiding. So I was a kid, you know, like 17 years old, and I would take this dollar bill and I would go through all the quarters and dimes and stuff I could get for it, and I'd throw out all the ones that had copper in them. I just intuitively did that. That's Gresham's Law. When bad money enters the system, Good money goes into hiding. So that's why gold and silver today, as more and more people throughout the world catch on, that this has no backing to it. This is an IOU from the U.S. government, a treasury.
0: You know, this brings up a a point, something that happened last year. Dollars were in short supply. And so what happened, a lot of these central banks, Robert, took their treasuries and they sold them because they needed Dollars to do trade. And we saw last year probably one of the worst bond markets that we've seen in a long time. And it almost seems like it's starting to repeat itself now because we've got the 30 year Treasury bond is almost at four and a half. Some are saying it's going to five. We've got T bills at five, over five and a half. And so I want to talk about the elephant in the room that nobody's talking about. We are about to cro- we've crossed twenty thirty-two point seven trillion in debt. And they're saying by next month we could be at 33 trillion, possibly 34 trillion at the end of the year. Let's talk about that because that is an awful lot of money. And I don't see how the US government's gonna be able to pay for that unless the Fed starts to monetize it.
1: Well, you're beyond me right now because Pilots call it the reverse side of the power curve. And what that means, if you come in like this and you pull too hard, and you add power, the aircraft doesn't go up, the aircraft comes down. Mm. It's an aerodynamic phenomenon. And so being a pilot, you know, flying right by your home there, it's Camp Pendleton. We were learning about how the aircraft would stall, the more you added power. Does that make sense to you? The more, the more you print the worse it gets. I think that's where we are right now. Reverse side of the power curve.
0: And you know, not too many people are talking about, the thing that really strikes me, Robert, is you know, for 10 years, we saw interest rates at next to nothing. Most people, I know you're involved in real estate, you could lock in on a mortgage at 3% or less. And so a lot of people bought their cars, they bought homes, they locked in on low interest. The government did just the opposite. They were rolling things over in T-bills, paying investors next to nothing. Now, as that debt's rolling over, I'm just looking at my T-bill screen. We got 5.5% interest on three months. As this debt rolls over, and I think it's right around one-third, what is this going to mean for the government when almost 20% of tax revenues are going to be going to paying interest On the debt, I don't think Wall Street has really come to grips with this yet. I don't think
1: so either, and I think, Jim, it's so big that we can't grasp it yet, and so that's why I think it's important to look back in history. You know that story of uh, during before Hitler came to power, there was a starved woman who had a wheelbarrow full of Reichmark, and she she drove up to the grocery store to buy a loaf of bread with a wheelbarrow full of Reichmark. And they stole the wheelbarrow. They left the rice shark on the ground. <laughs> you know? And I don't know if that's true or not, but it kind of keeps me up at night.
0: <laughs> you know, the other thing that strikes me, too, it's not just the fact that the U.S. is going to be paying more interest. In my opinion, we're going to get into fiscal dominance where the Fed is will have no choice but to monetize it, because, you know, I, I I can't see a congressman saying we're not going to send you a social security check or pay its bills. But Congress changed the laws, Robert, back in 2014 and made it more favorable for banks and money market funds to own treasuries. And so they were funding a lot of the U.S. government debt. But now those banks are sitting on hundreds of billions of dollars of losses because they were buying treasuries when they were only paying half a percent on a 10-year treasury note and say, we're looking at a 10-year treasury note that's over 4%. So- we have a saying that the Fed will keep raising interest rates till they break something and I just my gut feeling tells me if they keep doing this something's going to break here in the next 6 to 12 months.
1: I think it's broken. Like in 2019, a national debt was 22.7 trillion. By 2023 in just 4 years, it's at 32.7 trillion. That's 50% in 4 years. Hmm. That's uh, I don't know how many trillions. That's eighteen. Tr- how many trillions it is? But it took us years. Took us two hundred years to acquire that much debt. We did it now in just a few years. So there's an acceleration to it, and that's why I'm talking about what pilots call a reverse side of the power curve. The more they try and save the economy by adding more fake money to it, the worse
0: it's getting. And this brings me up to precious metals. We're big believers in gold and silver, and especially silver. If you look at what's going on in terms of the COMEX, we've seen the largest drawdowns of silver off the COMEX that I've seen in the last three or four years. Uh, in fact, yesterday, 3.2 million went out the door. And so we're down to 27 million with short positions that are multiples of that what's going on here in your opinion?
1: well I think it is a lot because of Tesla and the batteries you know silver is an industrial precious metal whereas gold is just a precious metal and so the more they use in batteries and things like this the more valuable silver becomes and so it's going up because the stockpiles are going down. the thing that really stuns me Jim, you can buy this thing today for about 30 bucks. You know, this is, this is a, uh, American Eagle, Buffalo, about 30 bucks. I tell people, just buy one, but they would rather hang on to this stuff. Do you know what I mean? My, my point is, in America, I think everybody can afford 30 bucks, but they choose because they've been indoctrinated into thinking this is money. And this ended in 1971, as we're saying. But I, I, I've gotten into fights, Jim, talking to guys who said, why are you saving this stuff? You know, get this for your kids. You just put this away. They'd rather hang on to this. That's how bad the indoctrination, well, strong it's been.
0: Well, and we talk about inflation. First of all, I think the inflation numbers are much higher than what is being reported. All one needs to do is go to a grocery store, go out to a restaurant, and just, you know, here in California, we... We've seen our utility rates almost double. We've seen gas prices now. Robert, we're at roughly about five fifty now for premium, and I could see us going to seven or eight. Can you explain? Or I've had the hardest time coping with. You have silver, which is somewhere around a little less than twenty three dollars, but go to let's say Kitco, and you want to buy a gold eagle, you're going to pay an eighty percent premium. So the demand is great. And, but there's such a spread between what you have to buy a coin and what you're having to pay in terms of the spot market for silver.
1: Correct. And that's why I think people are shifting to bars and things like that, you know, just to get bulk. And, um, like this this Mm -hmm. here is I I have a, I own a silver mine. So this is one of my bars, a Dore bar, you know, I'm a hardcore hard assets guy. I own silver mines and gold mines. And uh, I'm pretty hardcore on the whole thing.
0: Well, we're right there with you because uh, we own precious metals, including gold, silver. We own oil. We're almost 35 40% in commodities because I see this as a very inflationary decade because the only way out, and I wonder if you'd agree with me on this, there's no possible way that they can raise tax revenues to pay this. There's no way that they could trade their way into this or even cut expenses. So to me, the only way out is what we've seen play out throughout history, whether it's kings, prime ministers, pharaohs, or emperors, they all print their way out. And that's been one of the lessons of history, as you alluded to.
1: Right. And that's of the Chinese empire, the Greek empire, and the Roman empire. I, I just say this very simply. I, I get taken off of shows now because... I say, I don't invest in anything I can print. So just last week I bought timber in South Carolina. So I own a timber farm and I own cattle, Wagyu cattle. And I get paid for the the bull semen. So it's called semen flow, not cash flow, you know? (laughs) And and I I I get taken off the air for that one too. (laughs) But I am so hardcore I don't want anything you can print. I mean, I just don't want it.
0: You know, I just tell somebody, I was having a discussion with a client and I said, go back 10 years ago and if you have your check register, take a look at the checks that you were writing for the goods you purchased and then take a look at what you're paying today. So when inflation is moving gradually up as it did in the last decade, people don't seem to feel it as right. much, you know, you just say, "Oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm paying that today." But now it's accelerating, and I think we're getting close to what I call the end game, where they're they're, they're going to have no choice but to print money because the debt is growing at an exponential rate now, and I don't think there's any way they can slow it down.
1: I agree with you, and I was listening to another guy whose his level of expertise is above mine, but he calls it the inflation tax. And he doesn't think it's a mistake. He says they, you know, when Biden cut off the Keystone XL pipeline, I was selling under Trump. You know, Trump's a friend of mine. And I was selling oil for $30 a barrel in 2020 when Trump was unelected. But the moment Biden cut off the Keystone pipeline, it went from $30 a barrel to $130 a barrel. And so I'm listening to this guy yesterday. And he was talking about how that's not a mistake. They can inflate away because inflation is a tax that will help pay off the debt. Now, I'm not saying that's true or not, but it kind of hurt my brain to think about it, that they would actually punish our people by taxing them through inflation. That's Marxism, not capitalism.
0: No. And the unfortunate thing is, Robert, if you were let's say, upper middle class or you are well-to-do, you can take measures to protect yourself with inflation. Like you're talking about, you're buying bullion, you're buying timber. I know you're invested in real estate. So as inflation heats up, your assets go up with inflation. But if you take the poor, the middle class- you know, and they see their costs going up 10, 15, 20 percent, they can't go to their employer and say, hey, you know, my gas prices have doubled. You know, I need a 20 percent raise. And we're starting to see, you know, in fact, you're seeing it right now. You're seeing unions, uh, the Actors Guild, the riders are going on strike, UPS drivers. They're talking about unionizing for Starbucks and Amazon because these people are being squeezed and taxed. On this inflation you're talking about they're seeing it on a day-to-day basis when they have to pay for things
1: look at the yellow trucking they're gone ups ups i think the average driver makes uh 80, a year which is not bad but they're all going to unionize now and it was marx who said workers of the world unite so my poor dad who was the head of education for the state of hawaii candidate for, Rep- for republican lieutenant governor he was head of a teachers union and as you and i know the teachers union or the NEA, what Forbes calls the National Extortion Association, hmm. is the richest union in America. So we don't have a prayer against the unions. So as capitalists, I'm not trying to say one is good or bad, you know, and all this. We're educators. Just be aware of what this guy was saying. And today the NEA, you look at student loan debt, it's now the number one asset of the American government thanks to Barack Obama. I'm not being political, I'm saying, but he's the guy who took private funding and turned it into public. And now the student loan debt is 1.8 trillion. Now, the good news is I'm making a lot of money off of that because I, I refinanced some of the restructuring of that debt, <laughs> but not too many people can do that stuff. You know,
0: You know, and it's amazing too, you know, you and I are talking about, you're invested in real estate, you talked about timber, cattle, things of that nature. I I just read a a major report by a hedge fund, and they took a look at the markets over a hundred year period in periods of inflation. Bar none, commodities was the best asset class to invest in. Because when you're talking about all those little paper dollars that you keep waving, they're going to print a lot more of them. They don't hold their value. Where something tangible, you own a piece of land, you own a home, you own real estate, you, in your case, you own timber or you own precious metals. You've got something that holds its value. I remember in the year 2000, I started investing in gold. And I thought that gold would take out its old high of 850. So most people don't realize, Robert, from 2000 to the present, one of the best performing assets over the S&P has been gold. It yeah. went from 250 to what, 2090, I think, recently. Yeah, Most people don't realize that.
1: Well, how about in the year 2000, the dot-coms were going, you could buy gold for
0: 300. Yeah. I I backed up the truck. And it's silver back then too. You could get silver for $3.50. Yeah. You know the thing, if you look at, they have a, a ratio in terms of gold, the gold to the Dow, which is about 20. Whenever it gets that high, that's usually getting close to a bottom for gold compared to the financial assets. And, you know we're there now. The other issue that hit me is people are speculating well, if they start printing money, how high can gold go? And I remember a hedge fund manager in the year 2000 he said gold's going to 2500 when gold was at 250 and 300 and I thought, I don't know, I think it' could go over a thousand. I don't know if I buy that, but that's you know we hit it pretty close to 2000. If you take a look at the monetary base, they say that the price of gold is usually about one and a half times the monetary base. One hedge fund manager just came out recently and said, if that's the case, we'd be talking about gold in the 25,000, 30,000 range. Could you see in a hyperinflation, kind of like what we saw in Germany, what we've seen in Argentina, what we've seen in South America and Mexico, gold going much, much higher? I hear figures like 10,000. Jim Rickards is. Ten to fifteen thousand. I've heard higher. Do you see something like that happening?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I I, I agree with records. He's we're not close friends, but I, I do talk to him all the time. And I was listening to his logic for how he came up with fifteen thousand. Then I, I got it. So yeah, you can do that. But the problem is, is we cannot stop spending. We're too socialists right now. We we're losing our freedom. This woke stuff in schools and all that. My God. I, was, I did a talk with uh, Dennis Prager. You know, he's a pretty conservative guy at Arizona State University. And 39 professors came after us to shut us down. And we were talking about health, wealth, and happiness, Jim. Health, wealth, and happiness. And the professors came up and attacked us. And they threatened, they, they threatened the students. They said, if you attend that conference, this is on Arizona State University's land, Then we'll make note of it. It will reflect in your grades. So they threatened them. So God bless Arizona, pretty conservative state. You know they what this one guy did. uh, They called a meeting on it, and the head of the state legislature of Arizona says, "We're going to track down those thirty-nine professors, and you will lose your jobs. You cannot threaten kids that way." So it's coming back. You know the pendulum swings, Jim. But I think. In the meantime, we better be prepared for the inefficiencies of our government correcting.
0: Yeah. And that's why I I think you've got to have some kind of hard assets because something that's tangible that will hold its value, because that's the only way you can protect yourself because the government's not going to protect you.
1: No. And that's my concern, you know, because I got taken off of um, especially the hardcore financial planner type guys, whereas a 60-40, 60%. Stocks, 40% bonds. And all they want me to do is endorse a 60-40 mantra. I said, I can't do that. You know? I said, you, you'd better have some commodities in there. But I won't mention his name, but he and I have gone toe-to-toe on my radio show because he was he was talking about treasuries. I'm saying treasuries are going to be the biggest disaster you ever saw if it reverses on you. And it did reverse on them. And the bonds are the spooky thing right now because it's debt. Which way it's going to go, I don't know. But to just you know blindly say, well, it's 60-40, it's a very unsophisticated way to invest.
0: You know, the thing that really strikes me too about the bond market, they're not getting a premium over inflation. And I, I just don't understand that. Why would you want to own with this level of debt? With this, I mean, look at the Fed's balance sheet. It went up over 100% during that period. Of time that we're talking about accumulating this debt, why would you want to own something that goes out 10 years or 20 or 30 years, given the money printing that's coming here? I, I, I just, to me, it doesn't make any financial sense. And especially what bothers me, Robert, is a lot of people are trying to save for retirement. They're putting money in their 401ks. And they don't understand what inflation can do to that retirement. Because when you retire, you're more on fixed income. And you know Social Security, the way they use the inflation rate to give you your increases, that's not going to do it. If you were looking, as we close here, of things that could go right and things that could go wrong, in your opinion, what would they be?
1: I wrote this book here, Who Stole My Pension? with a guy named Ted Sedell. He's the biggest whistleblower. So I said a little while ago, it's even though student loan that's 1.8 trillion is the number one asset of America's government today. I make a lot of money at it because I invest in it. I'm a capitalist. So what I do is I buy the debt, we pay it down, and we refinance the debt for the student. So the student wins, I win and all this. So we're still a capitalist country. My biggest concern there, Jim, is we have no financial education in our schools. And if we don't change our school systems, we're toast. That's why I have this board game back here. You know, this is what I teach with that board game. This is called a financial statement. You know, this is income, expense, asset liability, statement of cash flow. And uh, that's that game. And that's all we teach, because this is your greatest asset, you know, the the distance between this year and this year, but Mm -hmm. it's also your biggest liability. So I plead, and I talk, and I say, that's that's why I wrote this book here. It's time we have financial education in our schools. But Jim, that's when the 39 professors came after me this year. And that's when the state legislature of Arizona said, we're going to fire you. We're going to come after you too. So we're at war within our school systems. I think you've seen that in California too. Parents are called terrorists now.
0: It's amazing what has happened to the education system. One of the things that struck me is last year is students at a law school were against free speech. So these are going to be our future judges, Supreme Court leaders, and this is what they think about free speech. I just interviewed Neil Howe on The Fourth Turning, his new book called The Fourth Turning is Here, and he sees this period of crisis. And that's what I think inflationary periods have always been throughout history. They've been convulsion. You take a look at revolutionary France, you take a look at things that have gone on in Argentina, in Russia, other countries throughout history, whenever you get in an inflationary upswing as we're entering in now, there's convulsions. Robert, as we close, if our listeners would like to follow you, why don't you give out your website? Are you on LinkedIn, Twitter, that they can follow the work that you're doing? Because I really appreciate you're trying to educate people on how to protect themselves.
1: Right. Well, it's just richdad.com and we have lots of products. So like our game is probably our main one because Maria Montessori, you know, Montessori school systems. Yep. She's she's one of the greatest educational entrepreneurs we've had. And she said, what the hand does, the mind remembers. So somebody said, well, how'd you learn so much about money? Well, because my rich dad was my best friend's father taught me playing Monopoly and we all know the formula four greenhouses 1031 tax deferred exchange red hotels and that's all I did Jim I'm a, I'm a U.S Marine we're not we're not known for our academic proudness but we do know four greenhouses 1031 tax deferred exchange and so that's the game I play and person figures out the game they want to play I like I love real estate because real estate's debt and we pay no taxes legally. So
0: that's my game. Well, you've done a great job, Robert. I want to thank you for joining us on the program. All the best, stay well, and keep up the good work